0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I have been sick all weekend, but I am feeling much better because England are on the bottom of the World Cup table. That is the best medicine an Australian fan can have. I'm Menes of course. I'm joined by my co-host who's returning from a trip to Japan. Gav, how are you? How was Japan?
1: Hi, Menes. Yes, Japan was good. I had some time to spend at the Japan Cricket Association. They've got a... Beautiful ground manners right in the on the foot of Mount Fuji. One of the best yeah. cricket grounds. You think is picturesque? Maybe in 20, 30 years, when cricket finally uh you know goes into Japan global. or many other global, yeah, many other countries. Maybe we'll have a game there and we can talk about how beautiful the ground is, just like the Dharamshala one, but Good to be back. I tell you what, um, I told you, be patient, menace. No need to get mad, menace. Australia <laughs> are going to come back, and just, Travis said once he come, makes a comeback, he's going to have a huge impact. So I, as I told you, Travis said probably I think is one of the most important players in this Australian setup. So is Adam Zampa. Those two have turned their well heads back, but Zampa's turned his form around, and Australia are uh, well. I think looking as are secured to be in the semi-finalists now. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on there. Um, so, every
0: listeners, we're going to wrap up the Australia v. New Zealand game, one of the greatest ever World Cup games, Australia winning a high-scoring thriller. Then we'll chat a bit about England v. India. Then we'll look at the World Cup table and also a bit of good news at the end for Matty Wade fans. But let's start with the Australia v. New Zealand game. Firstly, an interesting decision by Australia when they named the team that they left out both all-rounders, Cameron Green and Marcus Stoinis, and they played all their batters. So I know you don't like this, but they had Mitch Marsh at three, Smith at four, Marnus Labashain at five, and then Inglis and Maxwell at six and seven. I know Stoinis has had a little bit of a niggle, so I think that must have come into it, Gab, the fact that I don't think he's fully recovered from that injury he brought into the tournament, but a curious decision. And I wonder if they're looking at this makeup as as what they want to go with for the rest of the tournament.
1: Well, I think it was dictated, yes, there might have been reports out that, you know, Marcus Stornis, they're, they're managing him as as the modern-day term goes. Uh, but I think it also had to do with, if you look at the games played at Durham Charlotte, a lot of the, you know, you've seen teams actually start well and then the pitch actually slowed down and being a day game as well I think Australia was conscious of that and I think there was a conscious decision to go hard at the top and I think if they especially with Marsh and Travis Head there uh, they probably felt if they lost three and quick ones going for quick ones that maybe if they're three four 120 and maybe sort of 10 or 12 overs then they just needed that consolidation period and that's where I think minus was considered I had uh, I believe not any so it was a combination of Stoin has been managed, but I thought it was more to do with the conditions um, that, <coughs> excuse me, that I think the pitch slowing up, they were going to go hard at the top. And that meant, you know, somebody in the middle and New Zealand, uh, you know, it, it through those middle overs, they, they've got those spinners in Ratchin, Ravendra, Mitchell, Stantner, Phillips as well. So I think they wanted Manus to be around that. So I, I think it was a more a bit of more of a tactical decision rather than uh, more based on Stornis' fitness. Yeah, yeah okay. I,
0: that's an interesting one. boy, did they go hard at the top. Australia won the toss, elected to bat, were none for 118 after 10 overs. It's the second highest first 10 overs in World Cup history. Head and Warner went absolutely ballistic. When Warner was out in the nineteenth, in the 20th over, the score was one for 175 when he was out. It was an incredible partnership. Warner went for 81 of 65 deliveries with five fours and six sixes. Travis Head, a stunning century of just 59 balls. It's quite incredible, Gab. He's only had two net sessions in the lead up to that game, coming off a badly broken hand. But, he just played with such freedom. He was smashing the ball everywhere. It was it was such a turnaround from a player that was left out of the first test in India because it was perceived that he couldn't play in the subcontinent, comes in cold and just absolutely smokes it.
1: Yeah, again, it's a good example of a guy who has a whose mindset is just so positive. Um, you know, Travis had probably You know, if if it's a guy who's probably struggling with form or just hasn't had runs under his belt, he probably comes back and starts having doubts. But Travis Head just went in there and just goes, you know, and and that's what I like about Travis Head. Yes, he is a good thinker about the game uh, from what I've heard and what I've spoken to with interactions. But one part is that he's a a bit laid back and, and, you know, it's almost see the ball hit the ball a little bit. Um, And I think that attitude sort of changed him. And, uh, you know, he just did that. And I, it was a demolition job. Like, um, because, look, 120, I think they were, or 114 after 10 overs or so. I think the game was done and dusted. Well, I certainly thought so at that time.
0: Yeah, same. Um, and just on Travis Head, I think <coughs> he's, he's really come to that in the last few years, that um, element of being able to play with freedom. And just, as you say, see ball, hit ball, he, he didn't quite have that when he came to the international
1: game at first, but he's eventually got there. Um, yeah, and he's at the age of 30, where, you know, as the old saying goes, you, you probably know your game the best at the age of uh, of 30. So you know, in your late 20s, you know, of course, we give so many examples, you know, from Matty Hayden's to Mike Hussey's and so many mm-hmm. greats in the Australian cricket and international that when they reach that, you look at someone like Daryl Mitchell and they, um, you know, that's, I think he's 31 32 playing playing in the best nick of his life. So I think that's when you know your game so well that it, you can just trust it.
0: Yeah, I was saying this the other day, I can't remember who too, but international careers can start a bit later now with the increased professionalism of the game, the way players look after their bodies that you know, we used to sort of say 33 34 getting to the end of your career, but players can go a lot longer than that now. So if you start your international career when you're 30 um, you've still got a fairly good chunk of cricket ahead of you, whereas in the past that was seen as quite old. Um, I do want to push back. I heard something on the radio that annoyed me today. Tim Payne was speaking to Gerard Waitley, and he was saying, oh, Andrew McDonald and Pat Cummins have really freed Travis Head up and he can play the way he wants. That is complete horseshit. Travis Head came out when Langer was the coach and smashed Fast centuries against England in the Ashes at home has nothing to do with McDonald or any of those freeing him up. He was playing that way before they were given the the he was given the coach and Cummins was captain then. But I, I think Langer did play a big role in bringing head on into in the team and developing him. Um, and so nothing to do with oh McDonald just all of a sudden
1: he can play the way he wants. I love it. You, you, you've always got to you've faced a challenge, don't you? You're almost want Australia to win, but you almost don't want Australia to win menace because when they don't win, <laughs> you, you, you you almost can tee off at Andrew McDonald and Pat Cummins. I like them so. I, like I just I want Australia to I, I, win. Let I, me give you that very clear. <laughs> but, yeah, no, so, look, I, I mean, it was quite interesting to listen to Mitch Marsh as well. And, uh, you know, Mitch Marsh, you think, uh, the Western Australian you know, prodigy out there, been around for you know, 10, 12 years in international cricket now. But, it was actually under Andrew McDonald when he sat him down in, I think it was a series in New Zealand. And, uh, you know, just that chat actually just put, uh, you know, Mitch March in a different state of mind. It's so, uh, you know, he's Mitch March has talked about that. So, look, maybe there, there is, maybe Langer's sort of toughened up head and made him think about the game, but to almost your need, also don't want a player to get too intense and maybe Andrew McDonald and Pat Cummins have allowed him to take that step back as well. And also Dizzy Gillespie. I mean, last year when we were doing the Shield uh, game down in Wollongong, I was able to chat with him. And and Travis Head was in our commentator's box was pretty much in South Australian dressing room, and interesting (laughs) to hear their interaction and how much Travis Head actually thinks about the game, and it's kind enough to have a chat. And, um, yeah, it it was was quite interesting and and how much he – thought about the game and he said, yeah, but at the end of the day, you just got to back your sort of instincts. So, um, yeah, I, look, I, I think sometimes you need to pull back a little bit and maybe Andrew McDonald allowed that little bit more balance that um, from, from maybe Justin Langer didn't have.
0: Maybe. Um, well, the head, head came of age while Langer was coach. Anyway, so you brought up Mitch Marsh. I thought he played very strange innings. He came in at number three and he ended up – making 36 of 51 deliveries. Now, I actually thought the stage was set for him to come in and continue the way Head and Warner were playing. Sure, have a look at a few. No problem there. You don't have to do it from the first ball. But he never got going. I don't think he he sort of slowed the innings down, which is very un-Mitch Marsh-like. And I wonder if just switching mm. from opener to three, maybe he felt like he had a different responsibility to hold the innings together. But that is Smith and Labashane's job. They're the ones yeah. that have come in and knock it round. So I thought Mitchell Marsh's 36 off 51 was a, actually pretty poor innings in 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 the scheme of things and could have cost us the game.
1: Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say poor is the right word. I probably said he was a little bit... Um, he was unsure about his role at that point because I think the given role for Australia, and we've talked about it, of course, before Travis Head went down, and it was, it was Marsh and Head, are your are your sort of, you know, the, they're going to get the innings off to a flyer and you've got Warner who can build around that. And then if they are two for 10, you've got Smithy coming in. Um, so at, at what about I think it was 144 or 160-odd when, when Mitch Marsh came to the wicket, he was a bit sort of, do I attack? Do I defend? What do I do? So I think it's just a new role, um, and he was a little bit unsure. You think if Australia's get into that position again, you I am sure we'll see a different kind of Mitch Marsh, where you know it's a bit of a license that, that look, yes, you know, still continue to go after bowling, and if you get out, then well, basically Travis Head's done eighty percent of your job, so it's
0: okay. Exactly. I think he should have continued with the aggressive mantra. I sort of felt that Australia for a little while they're sort of. I wouldn't say got complacent, but they almost uh, went into their shell a little bit and felt that they had such a good start. Mm. They just needed to play well and normally in the last 30 overs and then get a big score. Whereas they actually probably should have said, let's get 500, you know, let's keep going. Had that attitude because um we'll, we'll see here, but it did fall away in the middle Marsh was 36. Then Smith was out for 18 off 17, Labashain 18 off 26. And at that stage, We were five for 274 in the 39th over. And actually New Zealand has done very well in those middle overs to pull us back. Glenn Phillips, 10 overs, 3 for 37. Mitch Santner, well, he, he got some tap. 10 overs, 2 for 80. Um, but Ratchin Ravinda, 8 overs, none for 56. Just going at 7 and over. Not bad in the conditions. Phillips, clearly the best figures there. But they put the brakes on Australia. And it, it does set my alarm bells ringing for if we come up against India later in the tournament. Uh, if, if, England's, if New Zealand spinners can do that to us, then... Um,
1: Jadeja, ashwin <laughs> if he plays or yadav will have a field day if Australia's playing india in the semi-finals or final i can guarantee you men we're not going to get a pitch like that on Shala.
0: <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not it'll be the turning from ball one um what was that test match they played um where was it was it indoor that it turned like the first anyway yeah at,
1: got a few yep
0: yeah absolutely yeah, but, um It'll be like that. So, so we really stumbled in the middle there. And actually, if you, if you fast forward to the way the game ended, Australia could have botched this up and lost this game after that start. Luckily, Glenn Maxwell, 41 off 24, Josh English, 38 off 28. And then our courageous captain Pat Cummins, 37 off just 14 deliveries with two fours and four sixes. That is when Cummins bats best when he's just hitting it a long way. And they got us up to 388 in the 50th over all out. But, Good finish, but we we actually probably should have got 30 or 40 more from after that start. Did
1: you just give Pat Cummins credit on this podcast? I did. I did. Uh, (laughs) As a batter, not as a captain. So, okay, fair enough. Or as a bowler. Um, But no. uh, I, I just think, yeah, I, I think those the thirty months from Maxwell. You probably expected that English. You expect that, but I think Patty Cummins that over. He took on Nisham and hit him for a couple of sixes. I thought that was the pivotal moment of the game. You um, no, um, are, and that and New Zealand look on that and they'll say, yeah, we pull them back and then we just let Australia get away from through Pat Cummins. Like if, if it's if it's through Mitch Stark, I think Stark's a better clean hitter for cricket ball than maybe a, a Pat Cummins is. Uh, but but I I thought. You know that's where New Zealand look at that and go, "Oh no! How do we get? How did they get to 390 or 389? We could have restricted them even 370." And I always thought, looking at that pitch, maybe 360 uh, was always going to be gettable. I've been to Durham, Charlie. It's not the biggest ground, and with altitude, the ball travels—you know—that extra five or six meters further. Uh, But but yeah, I, I thought that cameo from Pat Cummins was so vital to to Australia's innings. Indeed. So from there, New Zealand
0: came out, and really from the beginning, they kept up with the run rate. They looked like they were going to challenge. They were 61 when they lost their first wicket. Conway was out for 28 of 17, which brought Rassian Ravindra to the crease. He made his second World Cup century, 116 off just 89 deliveries. Daryl Mitchell made 54. James Neeshan made 58. And really, the whole innings... They just kept in touch, didn't they, Gav? They, they they kept losing wickets, but they also, the run rate was always just there, just there, and um, they put a lot of pressure on the Aussie bowlers right throughout the innings.
1: Yeah, let's not take away how good Australia's fielding was. Yes, Glenn Maxwell dropped a return catch of uh, Rachin Ravindra, but I thought Australian fielding, I mean, the, the catch that mid-start mm. took for Devin Conway, it, it, you know, when you're trying to, Good point. Get, get, get a really good run chase of three hundred and you know ninety or close to four hundred. As a batting team, a lot of things have to go your way, um, and and you know you just can't afford to be get, get, like that ball from which, uh, from Hazelwood was way down the leg side. It should have been helpful for four or even six, and you saw the disappointment on Conway's face. But that catch by Stark was outstanding. Um, and, and you I, also I, I, just put that in contrast to New Zealand. I actually they yes. shelled,
0: they dropped a few at their end of yep. the innings, which definitely cost them some runs in the English a couple of times. Yep. Um, you know, had they taken those catches, they might have restricted Australia to, to 20,
1: 30 less. So it really on both sides you could see it. And especially those uh, on a, in a game with fine margins, that's when all these little sort of fielding or um, fielding lapses or runs saved that we magnify them, and we should magnify them because that's what makes the difference of you know five or six or ten runs. Um, so I think that um, I thought one of the crucial moments, and and like we talk about uh, you know game awareness, um, mm. and we'll, uh, and that. Glenn Phillips and especially Mitchell, I think he was about outstanding touch, menes But that over, had, Ravindra had already hit Zampa uh, for two fours in that over. I think 10 had already come off five balls, and then he's trying to slog the last ball out of the ground. I thought just the lack of game awareness, that and again with Phillips, I think even in that same over, nine had come off that. You're not just single. You look for a two. And there's your 10 off the over. Do you need to go that extra effort? I know in T20 cricket they say one big over. Do you need that 15 run over? But that 15 run over is not required at that time of the innings. You're only in over number 21 or 22. If you need to, then maybe, yes, you need it around that 38 to 50 over mark. But I just thought there was a decisive moment, good game awareness you know, players are in good form, and I'm sure Mitchell, as he looks back on it, more than Phillips will go. He was hitting the ball so well, and if he just managed to nudge that around, who knows? It, it could change. I, I think it was it, it was quite pivotal moment, I thought, in the New Zealand run chase.
0: Yeah, I agree um, very much. So, um, so Australia's bowling. Uh, Mitchell Stark. He had a. tough, um, tough innings ended up going for none for 89. But let's talk about that last over. So it goes into the last over. New Zealand needing 19 to win. I was a bit nervous at this stage, uh, I've got to say. They were eight down and it was the five wides that really blew the game open. So I think it was um, second or third ball of the over. Stark sprayed it down leg side. I think it was the second ball. Five wides. English could never have got to it. And all of a sudden you're thinking now, well, New Zealand have a red hot chance. here, Nisham on strike. Um, but then Stark executed for the rest of that over pretty well, didn't give any freebies away. And there was that that run out from um, the boundary that had echoes of the 2019 World Cup, where yeah. the ball came in from the outfield. Uh, Marnus Labashane threw it in wide the stumps, and Josh Inglis took the big dive across and took out the stumps.
1: Before that ball, uh, before we talk about that incident, was that a no-ball minutes? Because watching it live, I, I was just like, hang on, the umpires have got to surely check this. I, I just thought my immediate reaction when Stark let that go was, is hang on, is that a no-ball? Like in that split second we're watching the game, they didn't check it. I, and then I saw an article later on, I think today or something, that somebody's actually commented Um, they didn't show any replay from the side. I thought I'm quite surprised the commentators didn't talk about it. It wouldn't have mattered because you can still get run out of a no ball. But, um, you know, if they had signaled a no ball, then who knows? And maybe Nisham doesn't come back for a second or whatever it is, but I haven't seen a lot of replays, but you know, I I, I mean, Jimmy Nisham is quite a tall man. So I don't think it was a no ball. Uh, I mean, given the way he takes his stance as well, he squats a lot lower. Um, but yeah, and, and the other thing was, I, I was confident Mitch Stark. I think his danger ball was probably going to be the one down the leg side. But I think yeah, it, this is where it becomes a you know a bit of a cat and mouse game because Australia basically packed everyone on the leg side boundary, and it was basically Stark's going to bowl you know sort of he had to bowl middle stump or even just off stump basically and angled it in, and there was no one out on the offside except for one player, and I think well this is where it becomes a challenge as a batter. Do you give yourself room and almost expose your stumps and try a hit to the offside, or do you back your strength and hitting on the leg side? Um, so I always felt that Stark, if he makes an error, it was going to be a full toss, Always going to bowl one down the leg mm. side, which Australia had covered. My thing was, I mean, you know, is Jimmy Neeson prepared to take a risk? Because if he did, then you never know. You just have to get it through the infield, and it was for probably on the offside. Um, so, I, 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 yeah, I – and Mitch Stark's not the easy guy. I thought the the full toss was going to be a, a danger ball for Australia. Um, and to be honest, like, you know, to be honest, if, if Jimmy Nisham looks at it, it was a – maybe – and waist-high full tosses aren't that easy to hit, but I think Jimmy Nisham, he knows it was going to be a low full toss. So suddenly when a batsman is setting up for a low full toss and you get a knee-high full toss, it's not the easiest to hit. Otherwise – uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Neesham standing up straight. I think probably belts that over midwicket for six. But I, I was quite confident that you know, uh, uh, Stark was going to pull it off. I think nineteen was was going to be too much of a task.
0: Yeah, I agree. I was I was pretty confident as well. So Australia won by five runs. It was the highest ever. It was the highest scoring World Cup game ever. The total aggregate was 771 runs, beat the 754 runs from earlier in the tournament. Uh, You mentioned Manus. I mean, we had some great moments. Manus, he stepped on the boundary trying to take a catch off Trent Bolt. Again, echoes of the 2019 World Cup final when Bolt stepped on the boundary and and conceded to six in that famous England run chase. But Manus did the same thing, but then was able to come back. He took a good catch and then he he, he threw, you know, that throw in to get uh, Nisham yeah. run out. Excellent fielding and from him.
1: I think there was one bit win as well where it was a certain boundary that and he he pulled off a great save out yeah, deep mid we was, and he was sliding on the, and remember from what whispers i've heard a lot of players have been told not from just australia that just to be careful diving on that Dharamshala outfield so even glenn maxwell like you know a guy who's had a broken foot um and he's struggling with that ankle so that full credit to australia there where some you know your natural instincts do take over but sometimes you're almost paranoid that hey, if you go for a big dive here your knee could get stuck it's such a sandy outfield so I think full credit Australia and you talked about those fine margins I thought Australia probably New Zealand's batting was pretty good I think Australia won because of superior fielding and catching
0: yeah definitely that was one of the big dif- differences between the sides so uh, a couple of things it was the first time Mitchell Stark has ever gone wicketless in a World Cup match He'd played 23 World Cup matches before and always taken a wicket. So that's some record. It's a shame that the streak has been broken. And also Australia are the first, this is unbelievable. When you think about, you know, England carrying on about how they've revolutionised one-day cricket – Australia are the first ever team to score three hundred and fifty plus in three consecutive one-day internationals. What a turnaround from the team we saw in those first couple of game, games against India and South Africa that looked a shadow of the team we're seeing now. So that's that's yeah, a fair I,
1: record. I think conditions have got a lot to do with that. Bangalore, they you know belted Pakistan around. Be, you know, you're gonna get a fat pitch there. Daramsharlow, good pitch as well. Um you know, I think the challenge comes when you know whoever they, if they play India again in in, in semi final or maybe even the final. I think uh, I think Australia plays in 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 Mumbai. Uh, I, they play in Pune to pretty good tracks. I think Mumbai might be another belting. You know, um, might reach another four hundred odd there. But uh, but I think that the, the challenge. I mean, the game against England could be. Different as well. Um, Narendra Singh uh, Modi Stadium in Ahmedabad can have a couple of different sort of style of pitches. So I think Australia, it's going to be interesting because if they keep playing on these sort of flat, good wickets, and suddenly they run up against Australia, India in the semi-finals, then I don't think it's going to be a 350 place. 350. I think it might be a sort of a 260, 270 pitch. So, but that's a long (laughs) way ahead. It
0: is. Um, All right, so we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about England losing again. We'll look at the World Cup ladder and a little bit of news. Welcome back. You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. And this episode of Cricket Unfiltered is brought to you by NordVPN. That's right. If you need a virtual private network, head to nordvpn.com forward slash cricket unfiltered. The link is in the episode notes, but there's never been a better time to sign up for a VPN than right now. Firstly, you can protect all your private uh, browsing information. I know Gav's got to protect all his browsing information. He doesn't want that leaking out to the general public. But also, um, you know, if you were travelling around the world and mm. you want to keep up with the cricket, you can use a VPN and you can uh, use your normal sports viewing app that you use at home and you can watch from anywhere in the world and you'll never miss a ball of this World Cup. So I certainly
1: did that in Japan, Menace. There you go. So
0: um, nordvpn.com forward slash cricket unfiltered. The All the information is, is in the show notes. There's some great offers for Cricket Unfiltered listeners. You get a trial period. You get a great deal. And uh, click onto it now. Even just have a look at it for us. Click onto the link and just see. But, if, you know, if, if you're a cricket fan, you will never miss another ball with NordVPN. All right, Gav, let's get back into the news. So overnight... Uh, Great news, great news. India were all out for 229. Rohit Sharma made 87. And at this point, England fans are probably thinking, oh, we might win a game here. We might beat the favourites. England all out for 129. Mohamed Shami, four for 22. It, it was a it was a pitch tailor-made for India. Like, And this is actually a bit of a, you look ahead to if Australia plays India, that's the sort of pitch we'll get slow, turning. Uh, made for India spinners, made for Indians' attack, and they completely hammered England. I mean, this is one of the worst performances from an England, a World Cup defending side ever.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, and we've, we've heard overnight where, you know, the top seven, um, in, and including Pakistan, are hosting the Champions Trophy uh, next year, Minners. Um, I think it's 2025, 20, 2025. 2025, I beg your pardon, yes, 2025. So the top seven, and plus Pakistan, would go through. So... At this stage of looking at the table manners, England won't even qualify for that. <laughs> look at the smile on your face. That um, white ball revelation is blown up in their face. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I, I thought India would access you. But, I mean, no excuses. Yes, the pitch turned. But uh, literally. they did better than 129. Well, the Jew came in, in the middle innings. Like they had the little hover cam um, going through and you, you saw the wheels on the, um, mm. on the hover cam. And I think the fifth over, they were wet. Like the, the Jew had set in in the sixth over. And and in England, mind you, after four overs, but for 30, um, yes, sometimes the Jew, and we saw when Australia played uh, South Africa in Lucknow, it, it, it does do a bit uh, under lights. Uh, and we saw that with Rabada and, and Giddy. Um, and Janssen, you're just moving the ball a touch, but none for thirty to collapse, you know, and be bowled out or losing what nine for hundred odd is it, it, just shambolic. And and it's the pace. It's not even the Indian spinners. Yes, could lead bowl a beautiful ball to Butler? But um, a Ben Stokes shot. I mean, that was atrocious. I mean, you, you, none ten balls without a run, and then you're just slogging Shammy, and Shammy was all over him. I think he could probably hardly put back the ball with Ben Stokes. And you have to ask. I mean. All this effort of Ben Stokes coming back, yes, but I don't know, Menes. I, I, I they just seem a bit worn out. I, I they haven't. Interesting piece by Mike Atherton where he said, you know, this this unit hasn't even played together leading into World mm. Cup, and if they had, you know, someone like Owen Morgan, they probably felt like, oh, he could keep going, but he retired twenty twenty two. Um, you know, does Joe really fit into this team? I cannot believe. Harry Brook is part is not part of that eleven. That that is it's the balance of whatever you got to drop someone and not play Harry Brook. It, it's just yeah, I just because I thought England bowled pretty well, fielded pretty well, but oh dear me, I mean that, that well, I mean they could genuinely finish last. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, I mean at one stage India were three for forty. I thought Rohit Sharma played really nicely. He and Um Kyle Rahul rescued the innings and then. Kumar, you Kumar Yadav made 49 at the end to get to that score of 229. Real captain's knock from Rohit Sharma. He's having a great tournament. We've spent a lot of talk, time talking about the Australian batting, but Rohit Sharma's leading the way for India.
1: Yeah, I loved his post-match comments as well. He said at three for 40, because he started off with a bang. I think he advanced and um, he hit a couple of the English pages over the top. and But then at three for 40, he said, I almost have to go trust my experience and, you know, uh, because we know we had a long tail, i um, always played test match sort of innings where I just have to nudge the ball, and he's just a he's on another planet. Some of, some of the shots that he played uh, to drive Ali on it, turning track back over mid off, um, and there was that chip shot over mid wicket. Uh, I mean, there's not many players in the world who could play that. I thought it was an absolutely mm. captain's innings, and and Yadav maybe Hardik Pandya's injury also matters is a blessing in disguise because it's allowing India. <laughs> To play Mohammad Shami, Mohammad Siraj, and Jasper Bumrah like three quicks, like Australia's got. You know, they they were getting fascinated, like almost. I think Hardik will come in eventually, but it's going to make it difficult on what kind of balance they have. Mm. Um, but uh, look on that pitch, they knew that under light it does a bit. So Shami played. Um, look, I, I, I mean, it, 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 apart from beating themselves, I I can't see any team apart from Australia to be honest. Uh, really competing against uh, against India. Interesting. You, you don't think South Africa could challenge them? No, I think that, you know we saw that on Saturday night. You know they've got to be a few tra- chasing dramas. I, I don't think South Africa are great chasers. Okay. Um, uh, I South Africa need to bat well and maybe score 230, thirty to forty, and yeah, I, I pick up wickets in front, but. I don't think so. I think you know Australia can probably still chase down a total. Well, more likely to chase down a total against India. Um, and I think I think there's still a bit of you know that that Australian top sort of two and even Smith, um, you know, who's got a great record against India. Although he hasn't fired as much in the World Cup, I, I still think if there's a team that India fear, uh, I don't think they fear anyone, but they feel like you know it's going to be a ter- they won't be overly confident about, I think it's still Australia.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think as well, Australia's track
0: record of World Cup comes into it. Yep. World Cups, the fact that they're seen as this almost, the you know, Brazil, uh, how how Brazil used to be seen in the Football World Cup. They're just seen as this team that lifts in the big games. Um, Just back on that England performance, though, I mean, Joe Reed out for a first ball duck, terrible referral. Ben Stokes out for a 10 ball ducks, an absolute shocker. Um yeah, I, I think with this England team that – and I've seen this happen to other teams that you sort of all of a sudden you're just over the hill as a team, not individual players, huh. but, you know, the, the, the combinations and the balance and, as you say, bringing Stokes in and, you know, not having Brooke there and all this has just contributed to the fact that they look like they're just a bit old now in the way they're playing. Huh. And also the bowling. I mean, I said it before the tournament. I'm yeah. surprised how bad it has been because not only of the, like, Wokes, who's someone you'd expect to bowl well. I mean, he bowled yeah. well last night, but he's had a
1: shocker. I mean, it's been a shit show. <laughs> it has. And, uh, you know, Adil Rashid not been fully fit in the sense that he was sick for that game against yeah. um, uh, and, and playing, but they almost had to play him forcefully. Um, I think David really has been quite good. Um, a Can they claim injury. a moral victory? Can they try and claim a moral victory over this? I don't think so. I mean, I have never seen a team like you see Bangladesh down the bottom as well, but they've got a couple of players that, at least, in a little bit of form. I don't think any of the English batters are in form, and I've never seen that at a World Cup. Menace, mm. ne- never seen it. Milan, you know, got a hundred against in that first game or second game rather, but apart from that. Nobody looks form. And I mean, you know the only person who looks remotely informed is actually Harry Brooke. And they I, I just can't mm, they're believe not they're not I can't believe it. It's nearly as bad as leaving Matt Wade out. Yeah. So <laughs> I th- so. Uh, I,
0: indeed, we'll get to him. But all right, let's just <laughs> look at the latter, then we'll get to Matt Wade and the great news for Matt Wade fans. But um so that rules England out now. There, there was a glimmer of hope that if they beat India and got on a run, maybe they could challenge. But that has that certainly put a line through England. So you've got India on top, 6 from 6. South Africa, 5 from 6 on 10 points. Then you've got New Zealand and Australia both on 8 points. Then there's a gap. Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and the Netherlands are all on 4 points. And we shouldn't forget the Netherlands with a famous victory over Bangladesh on Saturday yes. night. I really enjoyed that one being a Dutch fan, having lived there for a while. Do you think any of those teams on four points can leapfrog, say New Zealand, into the top four? New Zealand have got a tougher run home. I think it's going to be tough. I don't think we will see any of those teams get into the top four because I don't think Sri Lanka is good enough. I think Pakistan has just fallen off a cliff. Yeah, and I think Afghanistan and the Netherlands might get another win, but I don't think they'll do enough to – sneak into the top four so i sort of think india south africa new zealand and australia is looking pretty confident as our top four even though new zealand have got a tough run home
1: yeah i mean one uh, thing about new zealand is you you look at australia they've been thrashed um uh, you know in that first and second game uh south africa uh, they you know they've lost to netherlands so that's a bit um india of course undefeated but one thing in favour of New Zealand is they haven't been thrashed. I mean, they've exactly. lost the last two games, but now by day against Australia, They've you know, it was pretty close against India as well. So because of that, they've got that runway. Despite losing uh, two games, they're plus 1.23 or so, something like that. Um, so I can't see, you know, Sri Lanka or Pakistan. Pakistan already played six games. Sri Lanka is the only team, um you know, g- given that they play, tonight or Monday night as we are recording, they can go to six points. So there will be just two behind Australia and New Zealand, but I think that they've got a game against India coming up. Um, so I, I I don't see anybody. I, I, think the top no. four is, I think the top four is done. Like you said, if England were going to w- one last night, that would have made almost that Australia-England game almost – you know, like if Australia won, England were definitely out. But if England had toppled Australia next uh, Saturday, I think the game is, then uh, it would have made probably, things. In, mm, yeah, yeah, but I, I think the top four set. So because eight, you look at the fixtures, even though New Zealand have got
0: some tough games, you know, they've got South Africa um, on Wednesday, they've got Pakistan on Saturday, then they've got Sri Lanka. I just can't see New Zealand being that bad for the rest of the tournament that they can't win another game. And I, so uh, yeah, I think you know we're halfway through the group stage, or or just over halfway, and I think the top four is pretty set.
1: Yeah, uh, look, I mean, New Zealand could potentially lose all three games, but you think if you, they win one, um, and as long as they don't get absolutely annihilated, and they're play, and they're playing Sri Lanka, so New Zealand will have
0: yes. um, destiny in their own hands. You know, even if they lose their next two games, if they they'll know if they beat Sri Lanka, they'll be through. So I just think, yeah, I just can't see it happening.
1: Yeah, I I don't either. I think the top And I just four, don't so- think Sri Lanka
0: or Pakistan <clears throat> are playing well enough. I mean, <throat> you know, Afghanistan have four games in hand. I mean, they're probably, you know, because they've got an extra game. I mean, they've got the Afghanistan's played the Dutch this week. They play Sri Lanka this week. And there are a couple of games they maybe could sneak a victory. But, again, I just think now what you'd be looking at is if you're Australia, you'd want to get into that second or third spot. To avoid India in the semi-final,
1: uh, yeah, I, I mean it depends where the semi-final is going to be. I haven't sort of checked the uh, the schedule to that detail. Where uh, you, you know, in, in terms of the, the the fixtures, is it one one place four? Do they play in Mumbai, or is it two place three that plays in Mumbai?
0: I haven't. Seen, I am not sure.
1: Uh, we'll do a bit of work on that, maybe in our next. Yes, podcast we'll find and... out. We'll find out. We'll do some. Re- I mean, I can bring it up here where
0: the fixtures are. I don't know if if they sometimes they don't announce them until they know who's playing. But we've got okay, so we've got semi final one in Wanaketi Wenner- yep. Stadium, semi final two in Eden Gardens, but it doesn't say who they are yet. So
1: yeah, that and and that's the thing. Because at times, remember uh, last year during the ICC T Twenty World Cup. Um, uh, it it didn't matter australia was always if australia qualified they would have always played their semi final in sydney um yeah. so that so i don't know if that's regulated where india's almost Well, where would got... india want to play wankhede or eden gardens the good eden question gardens? i i think if they played australia eden gardens because wankhede generally is is got more bounce carry it generally is a high scoring game and i think india probably don't want to you know a, a batting shootout with Australia. They'll rather go into a slow grind, and I think Calcutta might be a better spot for that.
0: Yeah. So overall, pretty, I wouldn't say disappointing World Cup so far, but it certainly hasn't yep. g- grabbed my imagination well, the way probably, the 2019 World Cup did.
1: Well, I think it's probably in three close games. I mean, India-New Zealand not didn't go as, it wasn't an nail biter but it was close. I thought both games on the, on, uh, the weekend were close. Yeah, South good. africa one, pakistan yeah, I watched that till right at the end, and uh, that that was a terrific contest. Again, I, I still like, uh, you know, excluding that, you know, 390 game yesterday, or 390 plays 380, I think the other two close games have been around that 270, 280 mark, which, you mm. know, I, I prefer that. Yeah, okay, you know, it, it, the old days will say 240, but I think modern day, if we've got a 275, 280 pitch, given how, you know, the number of field is allowed outside, the evolution of batting, um, I think to you know a, a game where i think it's a great one day pitch tactically and i don't mean every game should be like that way but around that you know 270 i thought that england uh, india game pitch i think it was outstanding because it took mm. the great innings by rohit sharma it took a really good effort by mohammed Chami to uh, you know uh, to dislodge the op- uh, opposition so i think I hope to see more of those pitches rather than the, even a 320 pitch is okay, but anything exceeding that, just, yeah, I think it's just, you know, whoever hits the most sixes. Agree. All
0: right. Um, well, Australia doesn't play again till Saturday night. That's against England. So they've got a big break. Probably good if Stoinis has a bit of a niggle. This will give him plenty of time to get right for that game. Probably why they left him out of, the game on Saturday night thinking, well, we've got this big break. This is the perfect time to just let the rehab settle in. Mm. Also, interestingly, we didn't see Travis Head bowl on Saturday night. And I thought on that pitch, his bowling might have been effective, but they probably didn't want to put his hand in the firing line. Um, But maybe we'll see him bowl next time. So there are a couple of things to watch out for. I think the break will do Australia good now.
1: Yeah, I was actually surprised that Head played this match, given that there was that one week, break um and they could have maybe you know eased him into that game against uh england uh in about a week's time so just would have given travis head just another week so i was a bit uh, surprised um, although he did have a bit of a net session so uh but yeah i think australia need that i think they needed you know i think mitchell stark just looks a bit you know looked a bit jaded to me uh and so, so did a couple of the others so i i think it really i think the breaks had a perfect time for Australia
0: yeah indeed
1: well that is it for the World Cup and just one bit of news I
0: want to bring up before we wrap this up Australia are playing a T20 series against India after this World Cup how thrilling for the players to go straight into another series after a long World Cup wow what a brutal tour they went South Africa series India series before the World Cup World Cup and then they're staying there for a T20 series but the but the great news is Matthew Wade has been named captain. That is because Australia is sending home all their bowlers. So, you know, would start Cummins, they're all coming home. So are Cameron Green um, and Mitch Marsh coming home, the all rounders, to rest up. So you've got players like Berendorf, Spencer Johnson, Nathan Ellis there. But Matt Wade will be the captain. Which is fantastic. Steve Smith is in the side, and he wasn't named captain. I like him. Matt Wade captain against um, India in a series in Australia three seasons ago. So he's a fine T20 captain, and um, the return of the king. The return of the Galwayty. But um,
1: yeah, no, it, it's quite interesting. I'm, I'm surprised he made he made
0: he made a, a, a match winning century yesterday in the Shield. So Tasmania yes. chased down the highest ever yes. score in the Sheffield Shield to win. They chased down 432. Matt Wade made a brilliant century. So he's in good form.
1: I still think he should have been on that World Cup plane Um instead of Inglis. I think he, especially, like I said, Menez, with Travis Head injured, I think Matty Wade would have been perfect at the top of the order. But, well, that, that's all, that's all gone. beyond. That's gone. All gone. Um but, look, yeah. good on Matty Wade. I'm surprised. Uh, he's David Warner in that team as well? Uh, he is, but he, remember, he's, he's not allowed to captain because he's been banned. No, yeah. I, yes, that, I know that. But I'm slightly perplexed that he's playing. But uh, Well, that the, I guess, I mean, you, I thought about
0: that, but then I thought, well, you know, the, big, the, the next big item for these players is the 2024 T20 World Cup. Steve mm. Smith would want to. Yep, put his case forward. So would David Warner. That means they won't come back and play any shield cricket. So bad yes. luck for us. We won't see them in the, the game we're commentating on at the SCG. And we won't see Matty Wade either because it's against Tasmania and he'll be in India. It's a, it's a triple blow. Um, but, yes, so that's the team. Australia captained by Matt Wade. And the funny thing is, I don't know if you remember, but Matty Wade retired. And then George Bailey gave him a phone call and said, hey, don't retire. I think we still need you as a bit of a, a – it's almost like a shepherd for this T20 side because, you know, he does a great job captaining the Hurricanes in the Big Bash and he can come back in and, and do the same for Australia. So that's it. T20 series after the World Cup, captained by Matty Wade.
1: There you go. We were a big Matty Wade podcast. Uh, uh, we should just call this. Can Matty Wade sponsor us? Well, he's
0: nothing he can't do. I mean, bat, bowl, keep captain he can we have everything. him on the
1: podcast can we have him on the podcast
0: i think he'd be disappointing like i think he'd just yeah he'd be very um yeah anyway we'll get him on we'll try and get him on that's the plan we'll get matty Wade on um <laughs> all right um well that's it gav thanks very much for joining me welcome back um listeners i guess we'll, we'll try and get back in your feed sometime this week before the yep. the game against england maybe gav and i'll catch up at the end of the week or something um i've been a bit crook so things are a bit all over the place um, but Gav, great to hear from you, listeners, please rate and review the show, share the podcast with all your cricket loving friends, and we'll be back soon. This is a Piccolo podcast production. Sports social podcast network.